Romans chapter 7. We got down through about verse 8 last time. Began looking at the law, and the question in the Scripture was asked, is the law sin? And you know, looking at, at our condition, naturally speaking, the law was that that had us bound guilty before God. As we looked in the verses previous, the picture, the parable that he uses there is that of a marriage that when you're married, then you're bound to that person as long as you live. That obligation is to that person. And there, uh, in that picture, there we are with the law. We were obligated and bound by the law unto judgment because of our sin. So the natural thought of man, and still the natural thought of man is, well, if we can do away with that law then, we'll be all right. We'll be all right if the law is gone and there's no condemnation. Then we'll be able to do as we please. There won't be any guilt. Well, I think that's, that's been the thought of man all through the ages. Still the thought of man today to get rid of the Word of God. Get rid of any... Really, we're today, we're thought policing. We want to get rid of any thought that's contrary to what we think and believe and feel is right. But the truth is... The law was never the problem. The focus of man is on the wrong thing. The problem is sin. And whether I know what the law says or not, sin is still present and still working. You see, before the law, sin was present. Sin was working. Men and women were dying. But without the law, they were unaware of that on their own unaware of a need of redemption, unaware of the danger of judgment. But the law came to reveal sin. Paul says in 7, I had not known sin, but by the law. The law made me aware to the problem that was inside of me. The law was the test. It was the x-ray. It was the MRI. The law did not make me sick. The law did not make me condemned, but the law was that MRI that scanned my body and found what was causing my trouble. The law revealed the problem with mankind, and the problem is sin. So without that test, I would have never known there was anything wrong, and sin would have killed me. It would have killed me, not naturally, spiritually, Sin would have killed me, and in hell I would have lifted my eyes, and I would have not been aware ever that there was anything wrong with me. I, we could draw pictures of that with the medical look at it today, but I think we all can see that it was the scan that revealed the problem that was killing me. And without the law then, so there's nothing wrong with the law itself. The law's making me aware that we might get it took care of. So, verse 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. So that word concupiscence, a longing. Especially for that which is forbidden. So sin works in man. Now we've got the law. God's gave the law. God's told us what happens when we break the law. God said, if you do this, this is wrong. You should not do this. And this is right. This is what you ought to do. 
But sin, sin can't be stopped by judgment. Sin can't be stopped by the law. Instead, sin took that which was forbidden and made it a greater desire. Ain't it a something today that man knows what's good, man knows what he ought to do, and yet, I say as a whole, and you could bring it down to individually, man's desire is to do that that's wrong. Why is it that the overall desire of man is to do that which is wrong and that that he knows not to do? It's that sin problem. Sin is the problem and sin is more than just me acting it out. Sin's in man. Inside of man, in those that are unregenerate, sin is the ruler of the whole man, inward and outward. And it's sin that causes the desire for that which God has forbidden. And, you know, the conscience may say, well, God will judge you for that. And sin says, God's not going to judge you. You've done it before. You've done it for years. These people over here are doing it. They're all getting away with it. There's nothing wrong with it. God's not going to judge you. It's what He told Eve. Sin is a liar. For without the law, sin was dead. Without means at a distance, apart from, separate from. Without the law, and Paul's saying this for him, without the law, when I was separate from the law, I was not aware of how sin was working within me. Sin was there. Sin was working. Sin was causing him to err, but he was unaware of it. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So Paul says, I was doing just fine the way that I was. And in my own mind... I was alive. Now, you could take that a few different ways, but I believe the way that he's meaning in Ephesians, he says we're dead in trespasses and sins. Paul was dead in trespasses and sins. He was guilty before God, and he says as much. But before the law, before condemnation and conviction came, in his mind, he was the most righteous man on the earth. He was pleasing to God. He was right. He was holy. He was serving God with all of His strength and might. And He was as good as anybody else on the earth. And if anybody was righteous, it was Paul. That's what Paul thought of himself before the law came. And that's where we thought of ourselves. Maybe not. Maybe you would argue with what I just said. Well, I didn't think I was like that. No, maybe not. But you thought you were acceptable unto God. You thought that unto God you were acceptable and you were going to go to heaven. You were not and the law revealed that. So there's Paul. Paul's unaware of sin working in him. He only sees his righteousness, his goodness. He believes that towards God he's acceptable. But the law comes and sin revives. Now the law doesn't revive and make sin to be alive. But now remember, we're looking at it through Paul's eyes on his own life. 
The law came and brought sin to light to him. Sin now became alive and he was now aware that he was a sinner. I have transgressed the law of God and I died. So no longer did Paul view himself as a good, righteous, and a man that was acceptable with God. Now, when Paul looked at himself because of the law, he seen that he was a lawbreaker, that he was guilty, and that he was condemned before God. He was in danger of the judgment. And friends, that is the first and a necessary step towards a soul being saved. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So how does people learn that they're sick? Sin's working. Sin's all over our world today. Working actively. And yet mankind is completely unaware of the death that it's bringing them to. People are sick, spiritually speaking, in need of salvation, and yet they're unaware of that. They don't need Jesus. They don't need the church. Don't need to be taught. They don't need to hear preaching. We're fine just the way they are. We're acceptable unto God like I am. I don't have to believe like they believe. I don't have to be saved like they say I have to. I don't have to be different. I don't have to be indwelt by the Spirit. I'm good the way I am. You know what they need? They need a scan from the law to reveal what they truly are. Paul says, the law came to me and I was doing just fine. But you know, after the law looked at me and brought to light what I really was, I became dead in my own sight. It was that that was odious unto me. If you ever ride down the road and you pass by something dead, you're aware of that, and I I want to get away from it. Well, Paul became dead unto himself. Paul began to stink in his own sight and in his own eyes. And the commandment, verse 10, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. So the law was given to reveal to man what he needed to do in order to live towards God. The law was ordained to reveal the righteousness of God unto man. And the the truth, if you keep it, if you can follow all that's laid out in the law, you can live forever and never die. It's the truth. The law was written to reveal life, to reveal what, it, what was required in order for man to obtain, to earn, to inherit life of his own works and of his own accord. But Paul says, I found that that revealed that life to me and righteousness, that was death. Now, was that the law's fault? No, the law's not sin. The problem was sin in Paul. The problem was the corruption that was within him. He had broken the law. 
he had not met the requirements and therefore he was guilty and the law that was ordained as a way that I could look at that, do that and earn eternal life, the law became a death sentence to him because he had not done as God had prescribed and as God had laid out in the law. For sin, verse 11, and we'll go back and look at some of these a little closer. They go together so well, I hate not to cover them together. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Sin is deceptive. He says in Hebrews chapter 2, lest any of you, and I'm be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, I believe is how he says it, but I want to be sure I say it right. It's Hebrews chapter 3. I'm sorry, I'm looking for it. I know it's here. Verse 13, Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is very deceitful. And what is deceitful? That that causes me to believe something that is not the truth. And so sin took occasion, remember that word, a starting point or an opportunity. Sin started with the law in order to deceive me. You know Eve back in the garden as long as Eve was convinced that eating that fruit was bad and was going to kill her, she was not going to eat it. If I truly believed, if I do this, I'm going to die and go to hell. You think you would do it? No. No, we wouldn't do it. But see, sin, <clears throat> sin knows a way around that. The devil's subtle. And he's, he's wily. And he's got tricks. And he's got means to deceive and cause man to believe something that's not true. And he come to Eve and he said, Eve, you're not going to surely die. Now, the Lord stretched it a little right there. But what the Lord's afraid of, He's afraid that you're going to eat that and be like Him. So he took the commandment, that's where he had to begin, in order to get Eve to eat that and die. We'll just say it like this. We've got scriptures that back it up. In order for the devil to murder Eve, he had to first convince her that the law was not true. Sin had to deceive her of the truth and cover over the law. And so as she begins to run this over in her mind, she sees that it looks good, looks like it'll taste good and be enjoyable for me to eat that. It looks like it's going to exalt me up and it looks like it's going to make me wise like God. Why, why wouldn't I eat that? And I'm not going to die. I mean, the devil said... I wasn't going to die. Hmm. She ate it. She was deceived. 
The New Testament tells me she was deceived. So you know what that means? That means that Eve was brought to a place by sin, by the devil, by the dragon. She was brought to a place that she believed she could eat that and it wouldn't harm her. She wouldn't die in the sight of God and she wouldn't be guilty. That's what deception is. It took the law and she was so confused by the end of it She believed what she was doing. There was nothing wrong with it. Boy, is is that not how Satan works today? We have family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. Look at their lives. Look at how they live. Look at how sin is overrunning. And yet, here's man today... And he believes there's nothing wrong with his lifestyle, nothing wrong with his sin, nothing wrong with his error, and he's not dead or guilty before God. He's just as good as everybody else, and we're right in God's eyes. You know what's happened? Sin has deceived. Well, I'm thankful sin hadn't deceived me. Well, don't boast in old number one. You're not deceived today if if you're not. You're not deceived because God has enlightened your eyes. Because Paul here, Paul was an apostle, a man saved of God, a man with great power, a man with quite possibly the most knowledge of God's salvation than any other man that's ever lived. And yet Paul's looking back on a time that he was a victim of sin. And the law came and revealed that unto him. But sin takes occasion by the commandment, deceives and slays. So let's look back at a few places. In John chapter 15, verse 22, here's the Lord Jesus speaking. And I suppose we've probably heard this a few times. But in John 15 and verse 22, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. The Lord Jesus says they were unaware of their sin before I came and spoke to them. Now, although we may have knew that we weren't perfect when we were lost and undone, We may have knew we've slipped up and made an error here and there. To truly be aware that we were guilty and dying and going to hell, we were totally unaware of that. Because we measured ourselves among ourselves and amongst the world. And my God, today, you look at the condition that the world is in today, and it's not hard to justify a man today. When you look at the sin and the depths that man is at, Why, I'm better than most people. I'm good the way that I am. Well, until the Lord Jesus came and spoke, that was all right. They had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. The Lord Jesus came and His Word took the covering away and they now were left at a place that they had no excuse. That's what the law of God does. 
It strips away the deception, the lie, and the deceit, and it brings man to a place of unquestionable guilt before God. Now, as, as a man, that's not a pleasant thing to endure. I do not want to hear that. I don't want to go to the dock and get bad news. That's not pleasant to me. But wouldn't it be good if they could say, look, this is what it is, and this is what we can do to help you. Well, that's the law. And salvation go hand in hand. I promise this. If God just wanted people to die and go to hell, He wouldn't have gave the law. And man could have wondered, just like they did in Noah's day, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, buying and trading and doing as they always have until the day the flood comes and carries them away. But God gave a law of warning and He gave His Son a sacrifice that man could be aware of his sin and man could turn to the Lord for redemption. The law is a necessary part of that. In Psalms 13.3, very familiar scripture there, David says, Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So for you and for me, if the Lord had never enlightened us to the law and enlightened us of our guilt, would you have ever come like you did to salvation? Would anybody have ever come to God being unaware of their sin? No, David says, Lord, lighten my eyes, or this sleep that I'm in right now is going to kill me. And what sleep are we talking about? In 1 John chapter 5, he says this, and we know, this is verse 19, 1 John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world life, that means to doze, to sleep, the whole world life in wickedness. The world is asleep, if you'll have it, they're asleep in the arms of the devil. And he's going to take their life. That's the devil's desire to deceive, to lead astray, and to destroy. Sin bringeth forth death. And there's the devil's desire that man would die in that condition, guilty before God, and his eyes be lifted in hell. And remember the rich young ruler. He said, all these things I've kept from my youth up. Had the young man kept all those laws from his youth up? Was he perfect to that point? He wasn't. But in his eyes, he was. I have strove, and I don't doubt for a question whether he was a good man or not. I believe he was a good man. I believe Paul. Morally, by the law, I believe Paul was a good man. But the Lord said, if you're going to be perfect, I want you to sell everything you got, give to the poor, and come follow me. Now that's harsh. That's harsh. But if you're going to be perfect, and if you're going to love your neighbor like yourself, 
And if you're going to do the law to perfection, this is what you're going to have to do to do it. And he went away sorrowful. Why was he sorrowful? He couldn't do it. He could not do it. And he was sad that he couldn't do it. You know what he needed? A Savior. And the Lord Jesus was revealing that by the Word of God and by the Spirit, bringing man to a place that he would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians, and I realize this is very familiar, but it don't hurt to hear it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. So this is what Paul says. You think that you're acceptable to God in your flesh. Well, the confidence that you have, I've got greater reason to be confident in my flesh. So let's go through Paul's um, Paul's application to get into heaven. Circumcised the eighth day. Now that was a requirement laid out by the law that the males be circumcised on the eighth day. Now I want you to know this, that Paul had nothing to do with that. Paul could not, at eight days old, take himself to be circumcised. Paul had a mom and daddy that was aware of the law and desired to keep it. And he was circumcised on the eighth day, just like the law had said. Of the stock of Israel. He wasn't a Moabite. He wasn't a Jebusite. He wasn't an Egyptian. He wasn't a Gentile. He was straight out of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. He wasn't of Dan the tribe of Dan, that went after idols and went crazy. He wasn't of, really, the other ten that broke off from Judah, left Jerusalem, set up a separate kingdom, and worshipped calves made of gold. He wasn't of any of those tribes. He was of Benjamin, the only tribe that stayed loyal to Judah and to Jerusalem, the only other tribe that worshipped down at the temple where God had prescribed. And Hebrew of the Hebrews. His daddy was a Hebrew. His mama was a Hebrew. They were both full-blooded. They weren't mixed. Their blood wasn't mingled. They were pure blood of the tribe of Benjamin, straight from Israel as touching the law, a Pharisee. You want to talk about doing good and keeping the law? The Pharisees, he says in one place in Acts, that I was a Pharisee of the straightest sect. I had zeal, I had desire, and I kept the law in its strictest sense that it could be kept. Of all the people in Israel... The Pharisees that I was a part of, they held you to a tighter and a closer walk by the law than anybody else. 
concerning zeal, persecuting the church. I was willing to leave my life. And now I realize, persecuting the church, that was wrong. But now you put yourself in the Jewish religion, and in the Old Testament way, this way of Christianity was contrary to the old Jewish way. So he was going to put out false religion and war against that that wasn't true, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So Paul says, those around me couldn't take the law and say, I remember when you broke this commandment. I remember how you were back in high school. I remember the way you talked to that fellow back then. I remember the way you acted here. Nobody could do that to Paul. Now can you say that you match up to the requirement of the law better than Paul did? But you know what Paul says all that's worth? Dung. That's what he says that it's worth. I count it all as dung that I might have Christ. You know why? Paul wasn't righteous. Though he had all these reasons to have confidence, yet in Romans, the law came, sin revived, and I died. And I was guilty before God. And the commandment that was ordained to life and that Paul believed he had life by. He was deceived. But when the light came, and illumination and revelation from God came, became aware of his guilt and sin, and he died in the sight of God. He realized his guilt. So, in Leviticus chapter 18, this is what he says of the law. Leviticus chapter 18, verse number 5. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So you're going to keep the law. You're going to have to live in it. You're going to have to keep it to perfection. Live in it day by day. Keep it your life. And I tell you this, if you do them, you can live. It was ordained to life. A method, a means, and a standard that if a man did, he could live. If a man did it, he could be righteous. If a man could keep it, he could be holy. If you can keep it, you can be perfect, just, righteous, and holy. He did do it. But the law came to bring us to a place of conviction. But it was found to be death. What made it death was an error. Sin made the law to be death. It was sin that caused death and that brought the problem. In Romans chapter 8, he he highlights this. Verse 3, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. The law could not bring justification to mankind, not because of the law's weakness, not because of a blemish in the law, but the blemish was always on my part. Every covenant 
and every agreement that man made with God through the Old Testament, it was never God's part that was let down, was it? It was always man's part that was let down. So how can we fix that? Well, if, if it's going to be fixed, man's got to be took out of the equation. Man can't keep it. Man can't hold on to it. Man might keep it for a day. But he's going to break it. So God took man out of it. And God said, Mine own arm brought salvation. He sent His Son to obtain righteousness by the law. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just, and good. The law is perfect and pure in every facet. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the law of God. The problem is all with man. It's with sin that's in man. Sin that was inherited from Adam. Sin that causes man to be deceived and to err from the law of God. Was that then, verse 13, was that then which is good made death unto me? So was that, listen to how he asked this question. Was then that which is good made death unto me? Was God giving me the law? Was God giving me the law? And that good law that was given for righteousness, was that made death? Was it the law that made me dead? Was it the law... I agree with what you're saying, but that's not what he's saying here. The law was not that that killed me. And let's look back in in Genesis. God said, don't eat this tree. If you eat it, you're going to die. Was it that law that killed Eve? That law did not kill Eve. That law was put there to protect her from dying. That was there to keep her from eating it. But sin killed her. Sin deceived her and brought her to eat that and break the law that God gave that life might be had. Sin is always the problem. The law is perfect. Nothing wrong with the law. There's no reason for churches, for preachers, for people to throw off on the law of God. There's no reason for me to look at the law and say the law is our enemy. The law's not our enemy. Sin is our enemy. The problem is with me. I'm the one that continually comes short of the righteousness of God. The law's there to manifest that to me. Make me aware of my shortcoming before God. That which was good was not made death unto me. God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, to shine or to show. That's what appear means. See, the problem is, man's each slap up with sin 
and we are unable to see it. You know what they do sometimes? They'll give an MRI or they'll do a CAT scan. CAT scan, I guess, is what they use. But they look and they can't see anything. So they add contrast. And what that is is a dye that they shoot in you and it adds contrast to the picture when they take it that makes that stuff, that cancer, that whatever, makes it to stand out and makes it visible. Now when the x-ray was done and they didn't see anything, does that mean it wasn't there then? Have you ever heard anybody say, boy, I should have never got that CAT scan. If I hadn't got the CAT scan, I wouldn't have got cancer. That's foolish, ain't it? The CAT scan did not give me that cancer. The CAT scan revealed the cancer that was within me. That's the law. So should I be angry at the law because I'm dead in sin? No, I was dead in sin before the law. I'd already been killed. Did I need the law in order to be dead? We were dead already. We were dead before the law came. No, the law was the CAT scan. The law came to reveal what was wrong with me. The law came to make me aware of that. I realize Paul says the law came, sin revived, and I died. But you see, that was in his eyes. He was dead before the law came, was he not? Were not you dead before the law came? Sin had already entered and sin had already killed. And the law came to make me aware that this is what's causing the problem. Is there a remedy to this problem? The Lord Jesus is the remedy. The law came. The law was good. God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, the law came to make sin stand out for what it truly was. I was unaware of what sin was going to cost me. I was unaware that I was headed to a furnace. You know what a furnace is? If we were just having conversation and I said, we need to go check the furnace, what do you picture in your head? It is a place designed, engineered to burn. It's designed to have fire inside of it to provide us with heat. Well, the Lord Jesus says they're going to be cast into a furnace a place designed and engineered to have fire. Now who engineered it? The Lord made this place. He made it a place to burn and that's where I was headed. You know that if I had died, if I had died the day before, I would have lifted my eyes in furnace of fire. But in my mind, I was going to heaven. Now the law wasn't wrong. I was wrong. The law revealed that to me. That sin might appear sin. Working death in me. Boy, that's what sin 
was bringing me to an eternal, never-ending death. Bringing me to a place of eternal suffering and I was unaware of its working within me. Sin that it might appear sin, that word again is lighten to show. And that word made, made death, to cause to be, to become, or come into being. So was that which was good made death? No, it was not death to me. It did not cause me to be dead. I was dead already. And it made me aware of that. It gave me that law to reveal the truth of sin to me and that sin might appear sin working death in me by that which is good. Got a beard hair in my mouth. So there is the contrast that we were speaking of. That which we can see, and you know how we see. We see by contrast. You know why the pages are white and the words are black? That provides the greatest contrast. If the pages were black and the words were black, there would be no contrast and it would be hard to pick them out of the page. But the contrast of one and the other being so opposite... It helps me to see what, what it's saying. Well there, that which is evil and sin, that it might appear to be sin, that I might be made aware that what I'm doing is wrong, the law was given and the law is perfect. Holy, righteous, pure, and without pollution. Now see, there's the problem with measuring ourselves by ourselves. There's no contrast there. Because you're a sinner. You, you, may be, you may be one of the top people on the earth, but you're still polluted by sin. So I'm a sinner, and I'm comparing myself with other people that are sinners. And it provides no contrast. I can't see any difference. I can't see what's wrong. But the law entered, and the law was perfect. And it's just like the black writing on the white page. It lit my sin up like a Christmas tree at midnight. And it let me see how that sin was going to destroy me. Is that not where we came to? If I don't do something about my condition, I'm going to this furnace of fire. I'm going to the lake of fire. I'm going and entering into the wrath of God if something does not happen. The contrast of the law revealed it. By that which is good, there has to be the contrast that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. So, exceeding. Throwing beyond others, super eminence. That sin, you, you think about the saying now, that sin might become exceeding sinful. 
So again, the same question, as in the death, was sin not sinful before? It was. But we were unaware of the exceeding sinfulness of it. Because of sin's deceptive nature, because of the devil's subtility, because of his ability and craftiness to lead man away. And, you know, Steve Rogers has said, I've heard him say it several times, that the devil's had thousands of years to practice and perfect the craft of deception. And certainly, he is good at what he does. He is good at stealing and destroying the lives of mankind. He does it with deception. He's not stabbing people. He's not shooting them down. He is lying to them, deceiving them, and letting them destroy their self. But the law came to reveal just how wicked that my sin was. That when I'm sitting down and looking at man, and I say, boy, my sin, my sin's up here compared to everybody else's that's way down here. My sin's nowhere near as bad as what our world is in. My sin's not as bad as them men that I work with. My sin's just, it's up near the top of the line. My sin was not bad in my eyes. And neither was yours. But when the contrast came, what a difference in what I thought of myself. What a difference in how I viewed myself before God. I went from a man that was good enough and acceptable and alright and not that bad. Did I, was I any different? No, I was still the same man. But you know the moment that the law came by the power of the Spirit through the preaching of the Gospel and illuminated me, I was now in my eyes the most wretched individual that had ever lived on the face of the earth. I was the same man that I was before. You know what changed? Contrast of the law was laid up against my life and it showed me how black that my sin was. It showed me how dark that my wickedness was. And I don't care how good that we were. When the law came, the blackness of sin was evident and I believe with all my heart that every man and woman that's saved will be just like Paul the Apostle and say, I was the chiefest. Is there a chiefest of sinners? All men are guilty. Equally so. All men are heading to the same judgment and wrath of God. But I tell you in Paul's eyes, he had the law laid up against him and he seen what he really was. There's where I was. I saw what I was up against the law of God as contrast. And you know what it showed me? How black it really was. If the pages were black, 
it'd be hard to determine the lettering. It'd be hard to know exactly what's being said. It'd be hard to tell whether those letters were black or not. You couldn't tell. But boy, you lay the law up beside it. And all of that good that I thought I had, all of the righteousness that I had, all of the holiness that I had, and the law came and laid up beside me, and it, I became, I myself became exceeding, tossed beyond others. Boy, it's a total reverse. A total reverse brought about by the law of God from being above everybody else, good and moral and religious, to being cast beyond others, sinful, guilty, and vile. You know, that's what brought me to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what brought me to the Lord. He says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to bring us to the place we needed a Savior. Without the law, there is none of that. So verse 14, and we'll stop for today. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now there's, we, we probably shouldn't even start it. But we've got just a minute. Spiritual, that word means non-carnal, ethereal. It's that that is not of the flesh. But I am carnal. That's pertaining to the flesh, bodily or temporal. Sold under sin, that's traffic, to dispose into slavery. So there's, there's a difference here. The law is spiritual and I'm a carnal man. The law is more than just hands and feet. What I do with these, where I go with these, what I say with this. The law is spiritual. Maybe we'll look at that next time. Anything on your heart you'd like to say? Anything you'd like to add?